This is the Father-Daughter Book Club, a podcast where my daughter and I explore the wonderful world of reading. Today we will finish our conversation on R.J. Palacio's Wonder, a novel about Augie Pullman's first year in public school. We talk about Augie's journey, how he grew over the course of the year, and what it means to choose kindness versus being right, and much, much more. Our last episode ended with a great question from Kalia, so let's pick it up right there. Kalia? Well, I was just wondering, why do you think that Justin's chapter wasn't correctly punctuated or capitalized correctly in the use of proper grammar? That's a good question, and I'm glad you brought it up. One of the things that I think R.J. Palacio does really better than almost any other kid's book that I've read. <laughs> really, just about any other kid. And I've read a lot of kid's books. From for me? When, no, from when I was a kid and, and to now. Like, we've read... Just think about the books we've read for the podcast, Counting by Sevens and One Crazy Summer. Both of those books feature young preteen girls, but... but they don't really... They're, they're both really, really mature. Yeah. So we get their perspectives, but it feels like when I read those books that I'm not listening to the inner monologue of an 11 or 12 year old. I feels like I'm it feels like I'm hearing an adult talk, which for those girls and the things that they went through and the types of people they were they were they were mature for their age and that's fine. What this what this book does really well is puts us in the minds of an 11 year old who's acting like an 11 year old. 10-year-old. A a 13 or 14-year-old who's acting like a 14-year-old. And with Julian, excuse me, with Justin, his chapter is written, you know, lowercase. I think that's to distinguish what his inner monologue is like. It's to show that he's kind of this offbeat. um, Dude. Obviously, he's like a a teenager, right? But you think about how kids... I know for you, for example, when you write, you don't always write all ca- with proper capitalization, right? No. So it makes sense to me that a kid of Justin's age, when we hear his monologue, that his inner monologue and his thoughts, that they're in lowercase. Because that's just the phase of life that he's in. The same with uh, Miranda and Via, where they say the word like a lot. Like, you know, Palacio has captured the voice of a teenager and then a, a preteen, I think really well. Like is it better than just about any book that I've ever read? For me, why I think that this is it, why R.J. Palacio did this, is because that's kind of his personality. Yeah, it's true. He's kind of laid back. He's kind of like this yeah. laid back dude who plays the fiddle, and I kind of feel like the reason why was because he wasn't. Like you said, that was the phase of life that he was in. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like in my brain, I don't have cap, like capitalization, punctuation, everything when I'm just thinking of thoughts to myself. And I feel like this, I actually kind of wish that all of the other chapters, if the, like if the other chapters didn't, like their brains weren't all caps and stuff i would have liked it to be like more like justin's chapter because i feel like kids and teenagers don't always have proper capitalization when they're going through thoughts in their brains 
And I feel like that's just resembling what his inner thoughts are. And if, and I feel like if the other characters and stuff were like that, then it would have made me feel more inside. Although I already feel like it, I feel like I would be a part of his of their brains more. Yeah, the issue with 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 that, if she would have done that, that it would have been harder to tell the different characters apart. True. So each character has a distinct voice. And if suddenly you make everyone lowercase, well, then it takes a bit of their individuality away. And it's hard to identify whose head you're in as you're reading it. When you're in Augie's head, it's very obvious. When you're in Justin's head, it's very obvious. When you're in Miranda's head, it's very obvious based on how they're speaking or writing, however you want to put it, right? So I think that's that's the reason why she couldn't do it for all the characters. But it was real smart of her to use it for a minor character like Justin. RJ Palacio has some really good questions on her website about this book. And we can talk about them now. All righty. On the back cover of the book, there's a line that says, don't judge a boy by his face. So what do you think of that line? Well, that very much plays with the theme of this book, which is, like we've discussed in other books, dig deeper. That people aren't just what you meet at the surface. And I feel like that's what that means. And I feel like that's what she was trying to get at and hints at was that you need to dig deeper into people. Is that people are so different from each other. That you need to dig deeper and you can assume a lot of things from what they look like. But those things may not necessarily be true. And I feel like Julian also has a lot of assumptions about Augie because he's never been in a real school before and he kind of feels like he's kind of dumb. And you really need to see more about him and go into him more in order to fully understand him. What I find interesting about the words don't judge a boy by his face appearing on a book cover is that the common statement or phrase don't "Don't judge a book by its cover yes so she's taken that and so we use the don't judge a a book by its cover as a metaphor where she's kind of saying it outright don't judge a boy by his face there's no metaphor there but you could apply it to the book don't judge a boy by his face could also be a, a, a message about the book don't judge this book by its cover (laughs) right because the cover has you know an outline of augie and that's kind of all you see it's kind of letting you know that this book is deeper too than just the cover and the next question is how much did this line give away about the story you're about to read a lot kind of gives the whole book away doesn't it yes but it also says but there's also some hidden things in there like about the other characters and in the book, but it definitely gives away a lot about Augie. And that he might, his face might be different, but his personality is so much to him and it's personalized to him. So I feel like this book was kind of personalized in a way, but it definitely gave away a lot about the book, which with this gave like this, um, interpretation of the thing gave a lot about the book because the book 
is a lot different from other books, so it gives it its individuality. Yeah. Okay, the next question that R.J. Palacio has deal with Augie's appearance. Alrighty. Okay, so she says, Throughout Wonder, Augie describes the way that many people react to seeing his face for the first time by immediately looking away. Have you ever been in a situation where you have responded like this to seeing someone different? I don't believe so. Because I'm... I always try to keep an open mind about people. And I'm trying... So based on the father-daughter book club and what we have said about growing and digging deeper into people, that's what I'm trying to do in real life. So I don't even feel like when I was younger I would look away if I saw something weird or a person who didn't normally look like me. And I'm trying to keep that. (laughs) Because I don't really want to people to be offended by me looking at it, by looking at him or her. So I kind of feel like, because that can bring people down when people stare. So I'm trying not to, and I'm trying to keep an open mind about people. Yeah, I can honestly say that I've seen some people, and my first reaction was to immediately look away, as she's asking here. Because sometimes... A person's appearance can make other people feel uncomfortable. We don't know why, um, but it it happens to be just kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Like you see something that makes you look uncomfortable, that makes you feel uncomfortable, and so you look away. And I know I've done that in the past. Obviously, I wasn't, maybe not obviously, I know I wasn't trying to look away because I was maybe disgusted or frightened, or scared. It was just that I was uncomfortable, and I didn't want to stare, as you said. You know, you don't want to stare at someone because it might make that person feel uncomfortable. And so I look away. But looking away can also, as we, we've learned from August's perspective, when you look away quickly like that, it can also have an impact on that person. In addition, so staring can make them feel bad, and looking away really quickly can also make them feel bad. And so now after reading this book, uh, I, I do, I feel bad about that. I don't know if I ever really felt bad about it before, but I think if I were to be in this situation again, I would do my best to do, be normal, you know, Yeah. to not, to not stare, but to not look away either, you know, just look at them as if I were act, looking at anybody normal. else. Yeah. Let's just look at them as if I were looking at anybody else. Palacio says Augie's face is not fully described until quite far on in the story. In Via's chapter, August Through the Peephole. How close was this description of your own mental picture of Augie? Honestly, I didn't really have a mental picture of Augie. But when I saw the cover, it kind of gave me more of a sense of what he looked like. That he kind of had, like, bangs and that his eyes were not normal. (laughs) But... Honestly, Augie's revealed through the people, it didn't really impact me that much because I didn't really have an initial picture of him in my brain. So because I didn't have that, actually her um, description made it clearer for me to see why other people look, looked away. It definitely helped me. Uh, my initial, I guess, image of what I thought Augie looked like 
you're not going to get this reference, but there's this old 80s movie called The Goonies. Have you heard of The Goonies? No. Well, like, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Uh, The Goonies is like this kids' adventure movie. And in that movie, there is a character who's, and for lack of a better term here, who's deformed. And so when I thought of Augie and what he might look like, I thought of that character. But then after hearing Via's description of him, I was able to to visualize his actual appearance better than just thinking he looked like this this other character, right? This Goonies character. Uh, so yeah, it did it did help me quite a bit. Augie's personality now. Are there any experiences or episodes during the story that you think had a particular effect on August? Yes. If so, how? Okay, so which which ones and how? Actually, this was one of our DNR questions in the in one of our packets. How did there's a paragraph that said like write a paragraph about how Augie has grown so much this year and use sexual evidence. One of them was the nature retreat, and that was because he stood his ground and tried to stand up for for them. Because they were a lot younger and smaller. Who stood? Who's Augie? Okay. Augie stood his ground and Jack's ground. All right, so uh, explain the incident. Okay. So there are these seventh graders that bullied Jack and Augie because of Augie's face. And let's be more specific here. They were out on their retreat, and these are 7th graders from another school yes. who'd never seen August before. No. And they, once they see him, they start to make fun of him. Yes. Okay? Like, oh man, it's an orc. No, no, it's E.T. And then Miles, Henry, and Amos came up to them because they were with them and said, I'm like, yo, stop it. Guys, like, don't make fun of them. And they stood up for them. And then they said, Oh, man, are you guy? Are you a freak, too? They're all freaks. And then one of them was, like, and then Amos went, like, boom, and rammed right into Eddie, which was the main leader. And they got into a fight, and then they, like, ripped Augie. He lost his hearing aids. We... He had hearing aids and mm-hmm. he lost them. And then they finally got away and ran off into the cornfield. <laughs> and then they retraced their steps to try and find their hearing aids. And then they went back to the uh, fairgrounds. So how, how did this incident or episode or experience affect Augie? Because after we hear Augie saying... Like, we're a lot smaller than you guys, you know? Like, just like, please stop it. We're a lot smaller, and you guys are so much bigger than us. Like, it showed us that he had the courage to even stand up. Because I know if that ever happened to me and I were August, I'd probably be crying in tears instead of, like, standing up for myself. But if I were me now, I probably would have stood up for myself. Because I feel like if I were Augie, it would be a lot harder to stand my ground. Because I know why they're making fun of me. 
But if I was myself now, I don't exactly know why. And I would feel angry because they're making fun of me and I don't know why. And I feel like I would... Because, like, sometimes when I get angry, that's when I get the courage to stand up and stand my ground. But for me, Augie, if I know why someone's making fun of me, I probably would be really sad and embarrassed. And that's why I'd probably be crying. And it just shows how strong and courageous he was and brave enough to stand up for himself and... Amos and Jack and Henry and Miles. Yeah, I think another word that you can use to describe Augie in this situation, in addition to strong and courageous, but it's it's confident. He's gained a lot of confidence throughout the school year in himself. In this particular situation, Jack stood up for him, right? Because these other bo- boys, or not just boys, but it was boys and girls, but these seventh graders were making fun of August. And Jack was like, hey, cut it out. And then they turned and started picking on Jack and, and Augie was like, hey, you don't, know, why are you why are you picking on us? We're smaller than you. And, but that also is why, because they're smaller. Right. But it, he had the, the confidence to at least say it. And so that was really important, a really important moment for Augie. him to express and exhibit that confidence. Also, we learned that Julian and Miles and Henry, there is this war. And I'm going to explain this. Julian spread a rumor about why Jack punched him. And then people, and he pretty much turned everyone against Jack. And they started bullying Jack by writing notes to him like, no one likes you anymore. And they also wrote notes to Augie saying like, get out of our school. And it was kind of funny in a way, not really. But that they actually wrote notes back, but were funny. Well, the notes, them, they're funny to us because we're getting their perspective on them. But the notes themselves were also pretty mean. How? In their notes to Julian, they would tell Julian that uh, nobody, uh, one of the pers- uh, girls that he has a crush on doesn't really like him. Oh, yeah, like Summer right? doesn't like you, so, but I love you. So they may have been less less obviously hurtful but they they were still hurtful but that was really the only one that i thought was mean okay maybe we'll have a separate discussion about this okay um but in both of these cases the the letter writing the note writing whatever you want to call it um was wrong on both parties and uh but it it is important in like you said, this war that kind of broke out between Jack and Augie and Julian and his friends. And as you mentioned, after this incident at the retreat, uh, things kind of change. And uh, then suddenly Julian becomes the outcast because... He missed the whole thing. And so he's like, what's happening? Yeah, he missed the whole thing. And suddenly the whole school likes Augie. blocks August because he, you know, he, he showed that confidence. This whole incident shows how the entire school has grown. Where everyone at first was afraid to touch him, and they now feel more comfortable with Augie because despite being afraid to touch him at the beginning, now other kids in the hallway are giving him high fives and fist bumps. And, and, he was a cool kid now. And, and, well, he was a cool kid, but it, it, I think it brought down this barrier. 
Yeah. Between him and the rest of the school where he was this outcast and people didn't know how to handle him or deal with him. But this incident experienced it. Right, but this incident where he gets bullied by some other some kids from another school. And then guess what? Kids from their school were you know were able to stick up for him and everyone's like, Okay, you know, Augie's he's He's a cool dude. He's just like the rest of us. You know, he might look a little different, but ultimately when it comes down to it, he's just like the rest of us. And this was the moment that that changed for all of them. So I thought that was really important, really significant for August as well. And one of the reasons why I also love this book is that this whole book is full of people growing up into themselves. Like, Augie grew into more things. Not more things, but he grew into himself more. And he got to learn himself more. I feel because he was kind of like this kind of shy kid and then he started to get a little more confident and I feel like that made him grow a lot and in the book we learn about how the school um grows up and gets to gets more used to Augie and isn't scared of him anymore and that's one of the reasons why I love the book yeah that's the beauty of books about kids this age in general right all of the books that we've read have been great coming of age stories is what they call them and it shows kids coming into their own gaining that confidence growing to understand who they are all of that stuff that you just mentioned that's what's happening in this book is kind of a coming of age for augie i have another thing though okay go ahead It's at the very end of the book, which I love this part of the book because I remember when, um, Julian, not Julian, Justin, um, at the play where they got the standing ovation and then Augie got a standing ovation because he said that he needs, like he said that every, I feel like everyone else should get I feel like everyone, at least once in their life, should get a standing ovation. But before that, what I really love about this book was I love Mr. Tishman's speech at the end. Courageous, kindness, friendship, character. These are all the qualities that define us as human beings and propel us on occasion to greatness. And this is what the Henry Ward Beecher Medal is about recognizing greatness. But how do we do this? How do we measure something like greatness? Again, there's no yardstick for that kind of thing. How do we define it? Well, Beecher actually had an answer for that. Greatness, wrote Beecher, lies not in being strong, but in the right using, but in the right using strength. He is the greatest whose strength carries up the most hearts. He is the greatest whose strength carries up the most hearts by the attraction of his home, of his own. And I love that because strength and in Augie, this is so true about him because I feel like he was the one who kind of got people together in a sense because even though people didn't really like him at first, people started to feel more comfortable around him 
and actually started to like him more. And that's why I love this is because courageous, kindness, friendship character, he has so much of that. And that's one of the reasons why I love it. The last thing that I want to talk about are Mr. Brown's precepts. Yay! We're not going to talk about all of them. But um, I have a, one that I pretty much remember. Just a couple of them. But So first of all, what is a precept? A precept is rules, or precepts are rules about really important things. Yeah, rules to live by. Uh, Mr. Brown, by the way, is August's English, English teacher, teacher, and he begins... The first day of school talking about these precepts and that for every single month of the school year he's going to write a new precept on the board and then they'll talk about them and and discuss what they mean and at the end of the year he expects his students to then come up with their own precept and send it to him as a postcard i actually have um two things when given the choice to choose kind choose kind and that's a lot in this book uh, okay so let's two the very first precept that Mr. Brown has is a quote by Dr. Wayne Dyer that says, when given the choice between being right or being kind, choose kind. And what do you think that means? That kindness plays so much bigger and it creates more of an impact on people than being right. I actually struggle with this one quite a bit. So did I. <laughs> uh, because I, I did not exactly know what it meant. That's not what I mean. I mean, personally, I struggle with being right or being kind because I like facts. I like truth. You do and, so much. And, and so I always want, not, not that I have to be right, but I always want to make sure that the truth is told or that the facts are presented correctly. Yeah. And so... I have a, a difficult time trying uh, to choose kind. Not necessarily choosing kind, but knowing when to not be so ardent in my pursuit of the truth because it could hurt someone and just instead be okay with being wrong and, and let and just be kind, you know, just be nice. I think this is a really important precept and I think it's something that is difficult to learn. Like I said, even as an adult, I struggle with it. I don't really feel like I struggle with it, but I do definitely feel like I would want to be right, but that can also hurt people when I'm trying to be right. And also, in Girl Meets World, mm -hmm. um, there was an episode where when being... I remember this when... Maya said, when being right is more important than being friends, then that's the end of being friends. Because she felt like friendship is more important than the facts. And even though someone's, like, people make fun of Riley, which is the main character, Maya still stood up for her. And even though 
it was right. So this is a lesson that is important enough to be told in this book and in the TV show that you watched. And I think you'll hear it many other times as you continue to grow into yourself and and trying to decide what's important. And, and this is, you know, just be kind. Being nice to one another has so much power in it. And being kind is such, it plays such an important role. Because so many people are mean to Augie. And being kind is really what R.J. Palacio was trying to raise awareness, I feel, when she wrote this book. Raise awareness to be kind even when you see people who might be different. Still be kind. Well, and I think Augie has to learn the same thing. Because there are moments where he's not so kind either. Yes. And he has to learn that he should choose kindness over being right. Wait, where? I forgot. Well, in a couple of different spots, but I think mainly in his relationship with Jack. Yeah. Right? Um, and even with Julian. We just had this discussion about whether or not the notes that he, he was sending to Julian were as mean as the notes he was getting from Julian. Well, who cares? Who cares if which one was more mean? You have to be kind. One of them needed to choose to be kind. Neither, In that case, neither of them did. True. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, the very first precept for Mr. Brown and one that I really like. Um, another precept that... Well, what's which one did you like? I liked one was that your actions are your monuments. Your deeds are your monuments. Oh, <laughs> not your mo- not your actions. And what do you think that means? I feel like it means that n- even what you do, because it's a lot similar to the Egyptian pharaohs and their tombs. It's because they did. Like, because they were believed to be gods, and they were, and they ruled, and it was a lot to them, because they, because they were the ones who created all the laws, and they were the ones who built a lot of these famous phenomenons. And then, in this, your deeds are your monuments, I feel like it means that no matter what you do, it'll always play a mark somehow in some way in your life. Like, you can't just erase it. It's not a pencil line. It's not a pencil line. It's a mark with pen. And you can't just erase it. It's always going to be there. Yeah, so monuments are typically things that are built to celebrate someone. Um, usually a person who's done something good or done something brave or has you know significance in a particular culture that's why we build monuments for people and what this is saying is your deeds are your monuments is that the things that should be celebrated about yourself are the deeds that you accomplish in your life the I like good, what you said a lot better than mine yeah the good things so deeds right or you can read that as good things that you do you've heard the phrase you know your actions speak louder than words Yes. Well, in this case, we're thinking, it's specifically saying your good actions can be monumental. And so your deeds are your monuments. I like this one too. The last one that I'll, I'll mention is not one of Mr. Brown's precepts, but Augie's precept. 
<laughs> and you kind of mentioned it already, but I do want to highlight it a bit more because I thought it was very good too. It's one that he kind of recognizes at the end of the book, and he says, Everyone deserves a standing ovation because we all overcometh the world. I have a connection! Okay. This is when I was, when Augie was born, the story. The late, then one of the nurse, the farting nurse, <laughs> which is really funny, but the fart, the one of the nurses was a really sweet lady and said that everyone born in the face of God will overcome the world. I believe something along yeah, those lines. That's a lines. good paraphrase. Uh, I don't know if that's the exact quote, but yeah, I really like what Augie says here, and it really. I think accentuates his journey thus far, right? Because we get this overcometh the world idea right when he's born. And this nurse says that, look, he's he's born of God and therefore he will overcome any obstacle, basically, overcometh the world. And at the end of the book, August recognizes the great and tremendous obstacles that he's overcome. And his reward for that is a standing ovation. the award. Right, he receives the the award, and when he goes up to receive the award, he gets a standing ovation, and it just makes him feel good about himself. Yes. Right, and I think that's a good one. Everyone deserves a standing ovation because we all have obstacles that we overcome. We all face challenges and stare them down and beat them, and when we do, we deserve a standing ovation. I like that one. <laughs> Yeah. Is that your favorite? Uh, I think the choice between being right or con or being kind, that one's my favorite, but I really like August's August's as well. Like I love this book. There are definitely sad books. There's definitely sad parts in this book, but I don't really feel like anything in this book I would have changed if I got the chance to based on what you have said. And what my teachers and my classmates have said, there's not really a lot of things that I would have changed in this book. I think this book just, it does a really good job of, as I mentioned before, capturing the voice of a preteen. <laughs> and now this is a particularly extraordinary preteen that we're in the mind of, in Augie. I... Um, but it's refreshing to have a book about a kid who gets scared and, and to hear the perspective of other kids who've gotten scared and s uh, getting their kind of almost simplistic, I won't say, I'll say the, like a naive view of the world that these kids have at this point, um, but then are able to learn and mature into a more, more well-rounded person, people, yeah. And it's not just Augie who does it. They all do it. I, I, I really... R.J. Palacio did a really good job with this one. I have something, though, that I just thought about when you said extraordinary. Okay. His parents recognized that he was extraordinary, even though he felt like he was just ordinary. His parents recognized that he wasn't normal. And he wasn't just an ordinary kid. But that he was extraordinary. Yeah, I think August wants to downplay his differences. 
because he wants to be normal. He's never been treated normally his entire life. So he wants to just be a normal kid. But then his parents and his sister, they know that he's not normal. And he's not normal for more reasons than just his appearance. Mm-hmm. Right? He's got this ex- a really big heart. Um, and personality. He's smart. He's funny. One of the things that I really like about this book um, are the references that it makes to other books and other things in pop culture. Uh, you know, Augie's a Star Wars geek. Um, he mentions uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And, and so, yeah. um, you know, we we get to kind of partake in current culture, right, in this book. Oftentimes we don't get to do that in books, right, because they're typically works of fiction that might not exist in our current world. But this one is is written as if, you know, these these kids have seen the same movies and read the same books that you've read already. Although you're not a big Star Wars person, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, August is extraordinary and... I think he recognizes that at the end of the book that he's extraordinary. It's not like he's being, like, selfish or, like, pride. He he just wants, like I said, he just wants to be normal. He wants to be normal, and he hasn't ever been treated normally. But at the end of the book, they recognize him for all of those things that are extraordinary about him, like his strength, his courage, his his confidence, all of those things, how he was able to bring people together and uplift the entire school, all of that. He was recognized for those things. Um, not just as a parent. Not, right. And it wasn't uh, people feeling bad for him, so they gave him an award. No, he was legitimately this uplifting spirit for the entire school. And so they recognized him for it. And that I think that's at that point where he, he feels extraordinary. All right. I feel like that's a good wrap to our discussion. Yes, it is. And we'd like to take this time to remind you that you can join our conversation at fatherdaughterbookclub.com. Just leave a comment, a question, any feedback that you may have. We'd also like to remind you that you can subscribe to Father Daughter Book Club at our website via email now. Just go to the bottom of the website and click on the email form and enter your address and you'll get notified whenever... We post a new episode. You can also subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, or Pocket Casts, or whichever your favorite podcast listening app is. Um, our next book will be Supernatural by Ian Colfer. If you happen to forget what our next book will be, you can always find that out by going to our website as well, fatherdaughterbookclub.com. All right. Well, I guess... We will be seeing you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Dun 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 d